welcome to Living a Sensory Life, a podcast that I've started talking all things sensory. So my name's Becky, I'm the founder of Sensory Spectacle, and I've run this podcast to teach you all about sensory processing disorder. We're going to be interviewing people, we're going to be sharing strategies, I'm going to be giving you research, and I'm also going to be explaining things to you so that you can help to understand the child or adult you care for or support just that little bit better. So today we're going to be thinking about students who may seem to be dazing. So whether they're staring out of the window, whether they are looking up at the ceiling, whether they seem disengaged in the work that you are presenting them. That is what we are talking about today, our dazed students. So... When we're thinking about why people may daze, stare at things, zone out, we need to consider the sensory aspects to that. So we need to remember that it could be someone is dazing because actually they're so overwhelmed with everything that's going on around them that actually it's too much. And so by it being too much, it is like they've they've zoned out, they've blocked out everything else going on around them because actually as soon as they tune back into the teacher or the activity that they're doing, they know that they will feel overwhelmed again. On the opposite side, however, we may well have students who daze because actually there's not enough stimulation. And so that's why it's really important that we do consider our students that daze because there's so many different reasons as to why it might be. So like in all of the work that I do, it's really important that we personalise the way we understand someone's sensory characteristics and the way that we support them. If you want to know more about any of that, you can have a look on our website where there's lots of books, online training and free resources that you can download to help you understand how we recognise these characteristics relating to sensory processing difficulties better. So let's think about our senses. So if someone is dazing, it could be relating to that visual element. So it could be that they are dazing and staring out of a window because actually that's their way of getting in more visual input. So they might be known as a seeker. They're seeking out visual input. It may well be because actually they're really sensitive to sound and by dazing and staring at something else, I'm helping to reduce out the sound, to block out the sound that's going on around me because it's too much. Other senses it might relate to could be the fact that actually there just isn't enough sensory input. So someone in this situation may be referred to as having a high threshold. So they need a lot of sensory input before they even recognise it. And so to engage students in the classroom, there needs to be a lot of sensory work beforehand to help them to focus on the task that they're going to be doing. 
So if someone has a high threshold, it can mean that actually the intensity of the sensory work really does need to be amplified. So if someone is dazing while they're working, it might be because actually they do need to be moving while they are doing their work. You may have seen before that if you have a student who is constantly moving, getting up, walking around, sitting, fidgeting in their chair, as soon as that is stopped or asked to stop, you may notice that that student then finds it really difficult to engage in the work that they're being given to do. And that's purely because their threshold isn't being met. They're not receiving enough sensory input in order to concentrate on that work or to continue to pay attention. So when we're thinking about day students, like I said, there's lots of different senses. It could be that someone has a really high threshold to proprioceptive input, to vestibular input, to tactile input, to auditory input, to visual input. And so if there's not enough auditory input or if there's not enough visual input, then actually that person is going to daze because actually they're not being made alert. They are not aware enough of how their body is feeling to then be able to focus on the work that they are doing. Now this can be really difficult to recognise in a classroom because every student is going to have their own way of responding to things. So you may see a student dazing out of the window and it may seem to be because they're bored or because they finished their work or because actually that thing outside of the window grabbed their attention and they've just found it difficult to come back to focus on their work. You and I can all relate to daydreaming and the element of, you know, if we're distracted by something small, we can then very easily dream off into, you know, something that we might eat for dinner or a holiday that we've been on or a book that we've read or even a podcast that we've listened to. So if that's the case, then you need to make sure that you continue to provide highly stimulating activities. Now, that doesn't have to be all of your activities are sensory based. All of our learning is sensory based. But what I mean by all of our activities, that's a term that lots of education use for supporting our sensory students. What I mean is you need to have work which is providing that student the sensory input that they require. So if they have a really high threshold to auditory input, for example, can you make sure your work engages with auditory input? So it might be that you are doing group work, that you are working in pairs and so that stimulation of conversation and questions and asking and answering things that auditory input is being stimulated by that. However, if it is work where you are encouraging someone to work independently, why not provide some music? Whether that's for the whole class to listen to or whether that is for that individual student to listen to through headphones. We know that white noise can be really, really great at helping to regulate out overwhelming sounds for people who are hypersensitive to auditory input. 
However, if someone's got a high threshold to sound, then they will need that sound input in order to stay focused on their task. So currently you might notice them talking while they're doing their work or repeating sentences or tapping something, whether it's the pen on the table or their foot, or they may love something that vibrates. That vibration is creating an auditory input. So we hear through vibration. And so anything that vibrates, we are also processing that as a sound. Now, if someone has a really high threshold to visual input, you'll need to support it in a very similar way. So can you provide activities in your classroom that are including visual stimuli? So it might be that you think about colors. It might be that you think about patterns. It might be that you think about different ways that work can be represented. So if you're doing maths, maybe you're using blocks. So that visual element is also kinesthetic. It's a, it's a physical object that we are having to explore and learn and compile together to do our problem solving skills. So when we're providing more sensory input for our external senses, so our, aud our hearing, our auditory, our seeing, our visual, our tactile senses, our smell and our taste, it's really important that you incorporate that into the work you're providing. Now, as a teacher, this doesn't mean that you have to create separate work for every student. I know lots of teachers worry that it's going to make even more of a workload for them. What you can do is you've most likely got things already in your environment that you can use. So have a look. Think about the topic that you're doing. Think about the element of learning that you want your student to gain. And how can you reinforce that with some sort of external sensory input, but it has to be related to what that student requires in order to help them learn. Now, if you're unsure about what your student requires to help them learn, and all you're noticing is the dazing, is the fidgeting, is the repeating sentences, it's really important that you try and observe them. So look at the things that they're doing from their day-to-day -day time in the classroom. If they're repeating things a lot, is that constant or is that just when they're working? Is it when they're walking around? Is it when they're in the playground? If they're fidgeting with things, is that just while they're working or is it just while they're listening to your instructions? All of these little clues will give you so much more information to really understanding your student the best that you can. And when you understand them the best, not only have you built a, a great relationship with that student, but you're also going to feel so much more confident at providing work to help them to thrive. When a student thrives, we can see it. We can see it in the work that they do. We can see it in their personality, in their confidence. And it's so important that for our students, we are doing that. We are showing them. We understand. We're going to try. If it doesn't work, we will try again. And that's one skill that teachers are brilliant at. And it's what makes a teacher a teacher. 
their ability to pick up and carry on, try new things, that persistence to carry on supporting your students to learn. So then if we're thinking about internal senses, so our vestibular sense, our sense of movement, our proprioceptive sense, so our sense of body awareness, so feedback from my joints and my muscles, we need to think about, okay, if someone has a high threshold, how can I include that into the work? Is it prior to sitting down and doing some work, you get in some of that proprioceptive input, so you have some pulling and pushing activities. Maybe your student helps you out. They carry some books to a different room or they push a really heavy trolley down to reception. Think of ways that you can include in the regular activity within the classroom, but for that student to get in that body awareness. It's the same with vestibular input, so movement. Can you incorporate, before you all sit down, 10 jumps or 10 spins or um, just pacing up and down the corridor, going for a walk around the playground and then back into the classroom? If we can support our students to recognise how to regulate for themselves, we'll notice that actually it's really helpful for them as they grow older. And as they grow older, they're going to become more confident. Other teachers will recognise how these students regulate, how they support themselves in their learning. And hopefully that means that different classrooms that these students progress to will be able to support that student better as well. So other ways that you can support vestibular and proprioception throughout the learning, so while they are sitting down and doing completing their work, are things like having fidget cushions. So it might be a um, inflatable cushion that you pop underneath someone's bottom and as they're sitting on it actually it gives them a little bit of movement so they can move around. There's usually bobbles on one side so there's a little bit of extra feedback that you get every time you move. It might be that someone has something what I call a spinning disc a bit like the movement that a computer chair has where you can spin from side to side. So you sit on your spinning disc and again, you've got that side to side rotation. And it's about allowing your students to get that movement in. If they require that input, it won't be distracting for them. They will be needing to do that in order to help them to stay focused on their task and the work that they're doing. Other things are you can have things under their feet, so it might be a tennis ball to roll under their feet or different textures, so again it could be a cushion or it could be some astroturf or a towel or anything that has different types of textures that their feet can roll around on and get some extra feedback from. Otherwise you could just remove the chair altogether, your students could learn standing up, they could learn on a bouncy ball. Um, all of these ways are brilliant ways to just change up that vestibular element, that movement element to someone's learning. 
Proprioceptive ways that you can provide input while they're working, you can use weighted items. So you could put a blanket over their lap or you could put their bag on their lap or they could wear their bag on their shoulders. That's a really great way that someone can then feel where their body is. And when we feel where our body is, we then feel so much calmer and so much more content and able to focus on the task that we're doing. Now, like I said at the beginning, if we have students who daze, it's highly likely there's a purpose behind it. So I mentioned, actually, some students may be dazing because they're bored. Now, if that's the case, try and make sure you have a backup of some worksheets or work that you can provide for when that student does finish their work. Therefore, when that student finishes, there's this constant trickling of work that they can then go on to complete. Now, most of the time when we're thinking about children with sensory processing difficulties, we do need to consider all of the senses. And so we need to make sure that we personalise the way that we support people. I've given you loads of ways that you can help someone who has a really high threshold, so needs a constant high amount of sensory input in before they can even regulate. If someone does have a high threshold, keep your learning short and sharp. So provide a working activity, have a break. Provide a working activity, have a break. And it might be during those breaks, that's when you provide that extra proprioceptive or vestibular input. Because you've noticed that your student can sit down and focus on a worksheet for a certain length of time before becoming distracted or needing that sensory input, whether it's the visual or whether it's the auditory, or whether it's the body awareness and movement. Now, one other thing that's really important to consider for students that daze, they may also be students who notice the tiniest of changes and tiniest of differences within their environment. So as they're staring, they may well be seeing things like those tiny speckles of dust floating around. If you've ever looked in front of a projector light when it's on, you can see all of the dust particles flying around. For some people who have vision, which is so hypersensitive, they are recognising and seeing all those tiny little changes in the things around us. If that's the case, it might be that someone is dazed because actually they're so interested they're so taken aback by this visual element happening around them that actually it has distracted them so if that's the case then you need to make sure that your work includes lots of visual elements you might need extra lighting you might need high contrasts you might need a certain color then use that visual input as a benefit. So help your student to recognise, wow, your vision is so clear. Can you help me? And giving them a, a job to help you with or helping them to clean something or remove something or create a display board. It's highly likely that their attention to detail 
is far better than ours. And so it's really important that we do use our students to our advantage and their advantage, boost their confidence, help them to recognise what they are absolutely brilliant at doing and what they can help us with doing as well. So I've been talking to you about days students. I've given you a few reasons as to why we may observe some of our students dazing in the classroom. If you think any of these relate to your child, then you may well want to head on to our teacher training. So our sensory profiles online training that goes into so much more detail about each of the sensory systems, the ways we can recognise these characteristics and the ways that we can support people better. So if you do head to my website and you'll find loads more information there. So www.sensorispectacle.co.uk. This podcast was brought to you by Sensory Spectacle. You can find out more about our immersive training and workshops on our website, sensorispectacle.co.uk. We educate about and create awareness of sensory processing disorder internationally. We travel the world helping parents and professionals to understand specific characteristics relating to sensory processing needs. On our website, you'll find books, sensory support items, classroom resources, as well as information about our trainings. If you have any questions, please do get in touch. We love to hear from you. But otherwise, thanks for listening.